0: (laughs) Thank you.
1: Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Before we get started, I want to say today's show is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. And I especially want to thank Denise for her support. We'll send access to the premium site, as we do with all donations of $7 or more. And you can support the show at support.greatdetectives.net. As I mentioned last week, we're going to skip over the Markham matter uh, for now, but we will come back to it and play it around Thanksgiving time. Uh, but now we're going to take a listen to... T- to the Royal Street Matter. The original air date was November twenty-fifth of nineteen fifty-six, and let's take a listen
2: from Hollywood. It's time now for
3: Johnny Dollar.
4: Why, oh, man? How's
3: your stomach, Johnny? What?
4: Rich food gave you
3: any trouble? Who is this?
4: Why, well, your old buddy and your sonny.
3: Oh, hi, Angie. Glad you got my message.
4: Yeah. How about dinner tonight at Antoine's, Johnny? Shrimp
3: gumbo, oysters, Rockefeller... Yeah, sounds fine. Only I've got to do some work first.
4: Man, I thought you would here in New Orleans on
3: vacation. Nope. Little matter of fire insurance and the company's check for 16000
4: Somebody trying to cheat them
2: out of it, huh?
3: You won't believe this, Angie. Somebody turned it down.
2: What? What? Bob Bailey, in the exciting adventures of a man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny
3: Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Providential Fire and Marine, 787 Greenleaf Avenue, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Royal Street matter. Expense account item one, $103.82, transportation to New Orleans. Item two, $4.20, cab from the airport to the Roosevelt Hotel. After unpacking, I put in the call to my old friend, Angie Orsati. Nobody knows the French Quarter or the people living there like Angie does. For three months of the winter, he stays in the swamp, trapping muskrats. The rest of the year, he lives with his mother near the Cabildo. Angie wasn't in, but his mother said she knew where to reach him, and five minutes later, he returned my call. We arranged to meet for dinner, then I phoned the agent who had sold the policy in question. His name's Benford, and naturally, he was anxious to see me. C.D. Benford's office is on the third floor of the Hibernia Bank building. He's a stocky red faced man, probably in his late 50s.
5: Come in, Mr. Dollar. Come in, come in. Thanks. Help yourself to the chair. Say, you fellas sure don't waste any time, do you? We try not to, Mr. Benford. C.D. Boy. What? You call me C.D. like all the other folks do. Oh, okay, C.D. Yeah. Now, like I was saying, you boys sure don't waste any time at all. Why, I didn't even call the home office till day before yesterday. I know. When was the fire? Last week, on Thursday night. What'd they tell you about it?
3: Well, not very much. Figured I'd get all the information from you.
5: Well, it's a doozy. First time I've ever run across a policyholder who wasn't yelling for us to pay him yesterday for his loss today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, who is the insured, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, C.D.? man named Dupar, Henry Dupar. Took out a policy for 48000 That's full coverage on his antique shop down on Royal Street. How long ago? August, just three months back. I'd been after him for, oh, maybe five, six months to buy some protection, but he kept saying he didn't have the money. Didn't have the money. And one day I dropped in to see him about his car insurance, and right off he told me to write a policy, give him full-fire coverage on the shop.
3: Well, how do he arrange to
5: pay it? Cash, in full, the day I delivered the policy. He tell you why he changed his mind? Yeah, not exactly, that he mentioned something about times being better. <laughs> I reckon there must have been. Why'd he say that? Well, a few days later, he had the back part of his shop all painted and fixed up. And that's the part that burned. And he hired himself a girl to work in the office, a real good looker, too. Well, what caused the fire, you know? I sure do. Antique kerosene lamp got knocked over accidental. According to what Dupas told the fireman, he was in the back of the shop with a customer showing him the lamp. Uh-huh. When it fell, the fire started. The two of them tried to put it out. I reckon that's why they didn't call the fire department right off. Uh-huh. And did Dupas tell you the same thing? Dupas? He didn't tell me nothing. Well, he reported the fire to you, didn't he? He did not. And that's what's got me so riled up. I wouldn't know about it now if I hadn't dropped in there the other day. Was Dupas there when you stopped in? Yes, sir. And when I saw the place, look, the whole back of the store gutted out and the slew of his antiques destroyed. I let him have both barrels, I tell you. Oh, what'd he say to that? Well, yeah, nothing too much. Just acted like he wasn't interested in whether we paid for it or not. Didn't even ask for a claim for him. <laughs> That's funny. Sure is. I thought maybe he was so upset over losing some of his valuable antiques, he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. So, after I checked with the fire department, got a copy of their report... I typed up a claim for him. You figured the damage at 16000 right? Mm-hmm. I uh, knew how much he spent fixing up the back. When I'd issued the policy, I'd gotten an estimate on most of the antiques. So what happened when you gave him the claim? He signed it? He did not. Said to forget about the fire. Huh? And when I kept after him, he called me a busybody and told me to get out of his shop and stay out. What do you think, C.D.?
3: You have any idea why he didn't report it or sign that claim? If I had,
5: boy, I wouldn't have sent for you.
3: I left Binford's office and walked over to Canal Street. The sun had gone down and a cool breeze was coming in off the river, bringing with it the smell of coffee beans and fruit from the banana boats. I crossed Canal and turned onto Royal, heading into the French Quarter. When I reached Henry Dupas' antique shop, I stopped. There are a lot of antique shops on Royal. All of them look pretty much the same. The building's as old as the fine rosewood mahogany pieces they shelter. There was nothing different about this one, at least from the outside. The fire had started and finished in the rear of the building. I tried the front door, but it was locked. I didn't think anyone would be there that late, but I knocked anyway.
5: Yes, who is it? Mr. Dupont? Who is it?
3: My name's Dollar, Mr. DuPont. I represent the Providential Fire Marine.
5: Why do you people persist in annoying me? Well, we wouldn't if you'd tell us about the fire. There's you had nothing here. special about that fire, Mr. Dollar. It was an accident.
3: Well, then why didn't you file a claim? You're entitled to enough money to cover Mr. your. Mr.
5: Benford explained that to me quite carefully. If you haven't talked to him, Mr. Dollar, you should.
3: Oh, I've talked to him.
5: Well, then go away. Well,
3: not until you answer a few questions. No,
5: leave me alone, please.
3: I'd noticed an alley next to the shop that ended where the rear door had been. I started back along and not quite sure what I was looking for or what I expected to find. But I was sure of one thing. DePauw was a frightened man. It was too dark to see anything at the end of the alley, so I returned to the street. Item 3 $30.50, phone call, taxi, and dinner for two at Antoine's. Oh, man. Kind of nice, ain't it, Johnny? Hmm? Oh, the way it never
4: changes. Same waiter, same chef, same clientele. Yeah. Like another Café Royale, she? No, no, thanks. Well, Johnny? Yeah? Well, when are you going to ask me? Ask you what? Oh. Oh, don't kid me, John. You've had that old bloodhound look in your eye ever since we sat down. What's the question?
3: <laughs> okay, Angie. What do you know about a man named Henry Dupas? Dupas' antique shop?
4: That's right. Oh, not much. Seen him around some, so. Yeah, where? Oh, you, you know what kind of places I like, Johnny. Yeah, but I can't picture DuPa liking them. Well, maybe he don't, but hmm, maybe that little old blonde he's been carrying with him does. Blonde? Yeah, you know, female, girl, bleached hair. I know, I know. Yeah. How old? Oh, 24, 5. Yeah, real nice for an old coot like him. Real winter and spring, huh? Yeah. You seen them together often? Oh, well, a few times. Saw them about two weeks ago at Butcher's place. Hey, you know something? I walked in there that night with a 5, and I walked out with 200. <laughs> How about that? Great. You know who the blonde is? No, but I might be able to find out. You want? Yeah.
3: Ah. I want. I left Angie and started back toward Royal Street. On the way, I ran up item four, $1.85 for one flashlight and batteries. The shades on DuPage's shop were drawn, but I could tell there were lights on inside. In the alley, a small pickup truck was parked near the side entrance to the shop. In the back of the truck, looking like they'd just been taken off the boat, were several stalks of bananas. There wasn't much else to see except the charred wood and refuse left in the alley after the fire. I started back toward the street when a man, a much larger man than DePaul, came out the side door and got into the truck. He turned over the engine and switched on the lights before I could get clear.
5: Hey, what are you doing there? Hold it, mister, right there. There, buddy, you just hold it. How are you doing back there, huh?
3: Well, right now, mister, I'm wondering what this load of bananas is doing in an antique shop.
5: What is it, Carl? Well, I just caught this guy snooping around in the back. What? It's Mr. Dull. Yeah, that's right. You you know him, DePa? He's one of those insurance men I told you about. Oh well, what are you here for, Dollar? Didn't DePa tell you he doesn't want any money from you people? Now why not? Because he's afraid we might
3: have to take a good look around before paying off. No, all... sir. Well,
5: now now is... now look, Dollar. Mr. Dupar has been okay with you people, so you got no reason to come snooping around. Especially after he's told you he don't want you around. So now maybe Mr. Dupar will have to do something to keep you away. Ain't that right, Mr. Dupar? You know what I mean. Yes. Yes, all right. I'll do it, Carl. And he'll never bother us again. Go on, Dollar. Get out of here.
3: At the time, I had no idea what they meant to do, so it wasn't easy to turn my back on them. But I did. Nothing happened. I went back to my hotel and hit the sack, and I must confess I slept later than usual the next morning. I was still in bed when the phone rang. Johnny Dollar.
4: Boy, hey now, where's my dynamic northern friend?
3: Oh, he's off today. I'm taking his place. Ah, well,
4: in the news I got... Well, I reckon it'll keep till tomorrow. Yeah. Well, so long.
3: No, no, wait, 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 Angie. Did you find out anything about that blonde DuPont's been seeing?
4: Sure, everybody around the French Market coffee shop used to know her. Uh, Used to, meaning up till she went to work for Mr. DuPont. She
3: worked for DuPont?
4: Yeah, in the office at his store. Started
3: in there about three months ago. Well, come on. Well, since then, nobody sees her anymore. At least none of her old gang. You know where she lives? Yep. Ponte Alba
4: Apartments. That is, unless she has moved... What's her name? Rose Allen. What? Yeah. She used to be a dancer. That enough
3: for you to go on? Yeah, Angie, thanks. That's plenty. (laughs) Expense account item five, $1.40 cab fare from my hotel to the Ponte Alba Apartments. The list of names on the register near the manager's office told me Rose Allen's apartment was number 215 when I got up there, the girl who opened the door wasn't a blonde. Yes? Oh, I'm looking for Miss Rose Ellen.
0: She isn't in.
3: Oh, she at work?
0: Who are you? I mean, are you a friend of hers?
3: My name's Dollar, Johnny Dollar. I'm an insurance investigator.
0: Invest? Well, she hasn't done anything, has she?
3: <laughs> well, not that I know of. Uh, look, Miss... Um...
0: Garbo. Garbo. May Garbo. Oh,
3: you're a dancer, aren't you?
0: How'd you guess?
3: Oh, I'm good at recognizing talent.
0: Oh, would you like to come in? I've got some coffee on. Oh,
3: well, that'll be just fine. Say, you've certainly got a nice view of the square from here.
0: Mm, I suppose. Don't you think so? Oh, sure, if you like that sort of thing. Me, I just think the square's kind of (laughs) square. Oh,
3: Oh, that's good. That's very good. I brought it
0: up the day we moved here.
3: You and Rose move in here together?
0: Uh Uh-huh. Oh, sit down, Johnny. Make yourself at home.
3: Well, thanks.
0: Gee, you're so polite. You wait to be asked.
3: Yeah. Look, tell me, what time do you think Rose will be home?
0: Oh, I couldn't say.
3: Uh, May, this is important. What time does she usually get home?
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, after all, she's got her own life to live, you know. And I'm not her keeper. Okay, okay. Sometimes she doesn't get home for days. Oh, I better get the coffee. Did
3: she ever say anything to you about the fire?
0: Huh? What fire?
3: The fire down at the antique shop.
0: No, you want cream and sugar? No,
3: thanks. Just black.
0: Good. When was that?
3: The fire? Last Thursday night. That's funny. What's funny?
0: That was the last time I saw her. What? Yeah. Rose went to work last Thursday, but she never came home.
2: Act Two of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. You don't have to be a special investigator to know that Americans don't take their civic responsibilities lightly. The Election Day turnout proved that beyond any shadow of doubt. So now it's time for you to face up to another responsibility to the nation in just as straightforward a way. Our Ground Observer Corps needs volunteers. We at CBS Radio urge you to write or telephone your nearest civil defense center, to learn how you can help in this vast program that patrols our skies. Now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Royal Street Matter.
3: This was the screwiest deal I'd ever seen. A guy refusing insurance money he was entitled to. Rose Ellen was my one lead, so I continued questioning May, her roommate. May told me this was the first time Rose had been away so long without at least sending for a change of clothes. I asked about Rose's boyfriends. She told me Rose had been going with one other man beside Dupas, but she didn't know who he was. After May promised to call me if she heard from Rose Ellen, I left. Expense account item six, $1.90, taxi from the Pontalba Apartments to the Hibernia Bank Building. My insurance contact Benford wasn't in. So while I waited for him, I wondered again why DuPas had refused to sign the claim for the fire damage to his shop. Could he afford a loss of sixteen thousand dollars? I wondered if something had happened in that shop. Something Dupas tried to cover up with a fire. I was wondering what it could have been when Binford walked in.
5: Well, I'm glad you are here, Johnny. We got trouble. Oh? I hear you paid DuPas a call last night.
3: that way you've been?
5: Yeah. He phoned me about ten, wanted me there fast. Oh, boy. I wish I had sense enough to stay away. What happened, C.D.? Before I tell you that, you tell me what he said to you last night.
3: Nothing important, just something about fixing it so I couldn't bother him again.
5: Oh? Well, he did. How? He canceled his fire insurance policy and every other policy ever bought from him. Canceled? Yeah. So you might as well go on back to your hotel and pack, Johnny. It's none of your affair now, no matter what he's up to. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's too bad it had to turn out this way. You want a drink before you go? Yeah, I guess I need one. Yeah. What'll it be, scotch or rye? Scotch, neat, please. Yes. Good. seems making a mess. When you you uh, reckon you leave? I want to know.
3: I'll check with the airline when I get back to the hotel. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, there you go. Better luck next time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that. C.D.
3: Hmm? What about the policy? Policy? Did he return the policy to you? Uh, no. I said do it tomorrow. But he's covered until he does return it. Does he know that?
5: Why, no. I don't reckon they does. Good,
3: good. He might get careless... And as long as that policy is in force, I can bother him as much as I want. Oh, I don't see what's the use, Johnny. He'll have it here by tomorrow evening. That still gives me 24 hours to get lucky. C.D., you said something about a customer being with him when that kerosene lamp was knocked over.
5: Mm-hmm. According to what he told the fire department, there was. You had that person's name? Well, I should have. I took it in the fire department report, and I've got that right here. Uh, yeah, yeah, here it is. Now, let's see. Mm-hmm. The name's Andrew W. DeLong. Address 1515 West Claiborne.
3: There wasn't any Andrew DeLong at that address. We checked the telephone book and the city directory, and the only Andrew W. DeLong we found was out in Metri in a mausoleum. So we drove back towards CD's office. Well, now what, Johnny? Jupa, huh? Find out everything we can about Jupa and everybody who works for him. But
5: ain't nobody but his secretary and his assistant. Tell the name Carl. Yeah, how long has Carl been working for him? Oh, about as long as she has. Does this Carl own a fruit stand? A fruit? well oh, not I know Bob Why? Oh, I just wondered. Hey, what time is it, C.D.? Uh, 2.15... Say, if we're going to check on Dupas' credit, we'd better get to the bank before the close. You're driving. Let's move.
3: Expense account item 7, $22.80. Telephone calls and a couple of gratuities to obtain a lot of information about Dupas. I learned, among other things, that he'd banked almost $11,000 in the past three months. Before that, almost nothing. But there's no law against making money, so I still had nothing concrete to go on. At 5.30, I left Binford, went back to my hotel, and there found a message from May, Rose Ellen's roommate, asking me to go to her apartment immediately. So I did.
0: Oh, Johnny. Yeah, hi, May. Oh, come in. Johnny, you know what you made me promise. Yeah? Well, it happened.
3: You mean you've heard from Rose?
0: Well, no, not exactly. But a man called this afternoon and talked about her.
3: Oh, well, I hope he had only nice things to say.
0: Oh, yes. He said she's just fine. What? Didn't you hear me?
3: Yeah, he said she's fine. Fine. Well, what else did he say?
0: Well, he said he was going to come by at 4 o'clock and pick up her clothes. I should have them ready. No,
3: but of course he didn't.
0: Well, he did so. He did?
3: Oh, What man? You know him? You get his name?
0: Mr. Dollar. You don't think I'd let Rose's things go out of here with a complete stranger, do you? Of course he told me his name. Well? You aren't nearly as polite as you were this morning.
3: All right, I'm sorry. What's the man's name, darling?
0: Oh, well, that's much better. It's Grant. Grant? That's right.
3: That doesn't register.
0: From the way he talked, he must be the one Rose was going with while she was dating that old antique...
3: You ever see this guy, Grant, before?
0: No, but I'm sure he's the one she talked about. Really, it used to get so tiresome. Carl does, and Carl does that. Oh. What? I said, oh.
3: May, tell me. Where did he say he was taking her clothes? Well,
0: he didn't say. He just put them in that old truck. Thanks,
3: sweetheart. See you later. I needed a fast car and a driver who could handle it, so I called Angelo Arsati. Twenty minutes later, we parked in front of Dupas antique shop. There was a dim light on inside. brother. There's really no reason for you to get mixed up in this thing. Are you kidding, son?
2: Hmm.
3: Looks like Dupuy ain't gonna answer. All right, let's see what this hunk of stone will do to the glass.
2: Here.
4: Hey, nav've got it. I can reach through to lock.
3: Looks like nobody here. Well. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, I see him. Carl, what happened to you? Dollar. Dollar. Angie, call an ambulance. Tell him a man's been stabbed here.
4: Yeah, right, young.
3: Dollar. Get to her before he can. Dupin? Gonna kill Rose. You've
5: got to help her.
3: Dupin wants to kill her? Why? She.
5: She found out.
3: Smuggling. Is that what dupin has been up to? Smuggling in.
5: Banana shipment. Rose found out. Where is she? He thought I'd killed her, but I love her.
3: Yeah, well, look, tell me.
5: you got to get to her before he does. Where is she? Old Spanish Fortress. Yeah?
3: Out on Bayou Slidell. Old Spanish Fortress on the
4: Bayou Slidell.
3: Yeah. You know where that is, Angie?
4: Oh, Sure. No ruin out in the swamps north of town near the highway bridge that goes over to the Gulf Coast. Carl, how long ago did DuPont leave? Ten or
5: fifteen minutes.
4: Yeah, well, we could beat him, Johnny, by cutting across the swamps. That is, if you could take it. What do you mean by that? Well, it's rugged. Like what? Johnny, did you ever ride a swamp buggy? (laughs)
3: brother. Yeah? Uh, How much farther, Angie?
4: Well, should be right up ahead.
3: How can you tell? All I can see is swamp and marsh grass.
4: Yeah, well, i done a lot of trapping out here. I know the channel.
3: Think we'll make the old ruins before DuPont? Well, we got to, don't we? Hey, there it is. That old wreck is called a fortress? Man, that's it. Well, get us up as close to it as you can. I don't see anybody parked... Nobody approaching the bridge. Here we are. Come on, let's go. Ah, uh,
4: uh, hey. Hey, look, John. There she is at the side end. Yeah, I see. Rose!
3: Rose Ellen! She's scared. She dug back inside. Rose! We're friends
5: of Carl's. They sent us to help you.
4: Well, come on, Johnny. We
3: can get inside to her through this here doorway. Okay. This place looks like it's about ready to fall apart. Rose! Yeah, man. Dark in here, too.
4: Yeah, don't step on them falling
3: bricks. Okay. Rose! Rose Ellen!
0: Yes? Where? Where's Carl?
3: DuPont tried to kill him.
0: Oh, no. Rose!
3: Come on out here where we can see you. Rose!
0: Found out that Carl didn't kill me, is that it?
3: Yeah, but Carl's all right now. Look, Rose, I want you to tell me all you know about the fire at DePa's shop. Were you there? Yes. Well, what happened?
0: Papa had me tied up. Told Carl I'd found out what they were doing. Smuggling, I mean. He told Carl to kill me. He didn't know Carl and I was going to be married. Go on, go on. Carl argued with him. That's when the lamp got knocked over. He didn't stop arguing until DuPas said he'd kill us both. So finally, Carl told DuPas he'd take care of me. Well, he had to, or DuPa would have killed us.
3: But instead, Carl brought you here. Yes. Oh, come on, Johnny. Let's get out of this dark now, Wait a minute, Angie. Rose, do you know why DuPas was afraid to report his fire to the insurance company?
0: Some of the things he smuggled in was lost in the fire. Anybody come poking around, they might find out what he's doing.
3: What was he smuggling? Do you know?
0: Little tiny boxes filled with white powder, hidden in the bananas.
3: Johnny, no, Connie. Yeah, sure. No wonder he banks so much money so fast.
5: I bank much more. After huh? I have to get rid of you, darling.
3: Look, look at that. There yeah, is the door. Yeah, watch it.
5: See, I ain't fooling,
3: darling. He can't see us. No, but what a target he makes in that doorway against the light. No gun, Johnny. No, no. We can try one of these bricks. Yeah, man, but if you miss, dollar. Wish me luck. Yeah. Dollar. Right here, to pop Come on.
4: Oh man, dear, you could qualify for the New York Yankees, Johnny. <laughs> All right, Juppa, on your feet.
3: Let's get out of here. Expense account total, including rental on the swamp buggy, incidentals and transportation back to Hartford, $517.20. Remarks? Well, where he's going, DePauw wouldn't have any use for the insurance money anyway. Carl Grant turned state's evidence and clinched the smuggling charges against him. Because of that, Carl may get off easy. I hope so. He and Rose could make a very happy couple. And a remarks and a report. Yours truly... Johnny Dollar.
2: Our star will return in just a moment. If we are to remain alert to possible acts of aggression, we need the continuous operation of the Ground Observer Corps. And if the Ground Observer Corps is to remain on the job around the clock seven days a week, your help is needed. Tomorrow, telephone your nearest Civil Defense Center and volunteer a few hours of your time each week to the Ground Observer Corps. Join our Ground Observer Corps at the Civil Defense Center nearest your home. Now here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, three sets of twins,
3: two men, two girls, and two fires that hit the coast of Florida with the impact of a hurricane. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood. Written by Charles B. Smith, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in tonight's cast were Virginia Gregg, Forrest Lewis, Lou Merrill, Lawrence Dobkin, and Frank Gersel. Musical supervision is by Amerigo Marino and Carl Fortina. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Dan Coverley speaking.
1: Welcome back. Uh Johnny, one thing you need to work on is when you question people. When you're on the run from a murderer or would be murderer, now is not the time for detailed depositions. But in all seriousness, this was a seriousness. This was a great story. Um, I love Johnny's friend. Uh, I, I like the whole setup with this great mystery of why he's not taking the insurance settlement. You know, it's, it, when you think about it, it's a little absurd. But I think it's something realistically an insurance company would be wondering about. Of course, they would probably not care too much once he decided to cancel the policy. But uh, then there's the nature of Johnny Dollar. So this is this was really fun. It was as good as I remembered it, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. Rebecca, um, we turn now, I should say, to listener comments and feedback. Rebecca says on Facebook, uh, "My favorite old-time radio detective. We just got back from a month at our home in uh, Southern Baja, Mexico, and again, your podcasts were a great way to pass our time without internet or TV. Uh, thanks for the great job." you do with the great detectives of old time radio podcast thank you very much uh and then i comment on podcast alley uh thanks to adam for bringing us these classic programs i love listening to these while i work my favorite is yours truly johnny dollar but there are so many good shows adam does a great job providing commentary too this nostalgic podcast brings it back to a better time in american entertainment i listen every day and always look forward to the next episode and that's from the Leando family on Podcast Alley. Alright, and if you've not yet listened to the Phantom Chase Matter, um, if you've just happened to join the show, uh, you may want to skip to the end of the podcast. But uh, for everyone else, Val uh, comments um, regarding the Phantom Chase Matter. Loath as I am to criticize Johnny, my great detective's fantasy boyfriend, I can't help think that by simply asking the hotel manager uh to describe the gorgeous woman who reserved the motel room or even showing him her photograph he could have had the case wrapped up a whole lot sooner and reduced the expense account considerably as soon as the hotel employee said uh, what a looker she was I thought aha uh-huh. um well Uh, Thanks for the comment, Val, and um, I I think that when you look at the Phantom Chase matter, when we got to part nine of that serial, several things that we thought to be the case were turned on their head, and certainly, I think that the big problem that Johnny had was he was just not open Uh, to the possibility of uh, seeing those things, since he had deduced what he thought had happened with the husband running away with another woman. Plus, the judgments that Johnny had made, partially influenced very heavily by uh, the person who was actually her co-conspirator. And I think there is this certain thing in, in fiction and in real life, uh where people and we we actually there is an episode um, of suspense we'll play one of these days called the blind side where that's explored. But there is this uh thing where we have these um psychological expectations of the way people are, the way things are, and even though it might seem obvious to an outsider who, as a, uh, particularly as we are trained, not trained, but experienced observers and listeners to mystery, we don't not suspect anyone. With Johnny, it's a different matter. Plus, in some ways, Johnny tends to be a little bit less cynical. Uh, probably a detective like Sam Spade would have wrapped this case up in short order. And even Barry Craig, who, um, has a pretty sunny disposition, but uh, is taken in by no one, could have probably solved this quicker. But Johnny has this ability, uh, Johnny Dollar has this ability just to really latch on and care about and have very chivalrous f- feelings about certain, uh, women. And generally, while he's not a fool, he's, and he's been around the, uh, bin a few times, he's still vulnerable to allowing a suspect to just totally blindside him. But the things that make him vulnerable in that way, I think, is part of what makes the character so interesting to listen to. All right, well, that will do it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with Police Headquarters, and then join us back here next Friday for another episode of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net.